This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And this is someone, Jason, I know we're going to have back. Absolutely. I have to say this came through a friend of mine who had gone to see Dr. Vijay Vod. Mm-hmm. He's a sports medicine specialist at the Hospital for Special Surgery here in New York City. But man, he is a big thinker in many ways, so thoughtful when he approaches Mm -hmm. problems that so many of us have as athletes or even just as people like a sore back. Yeah, especially something that a lot of folks are dealing with working from home and just being at a computer or laptop for hours on end. Check out our conversation. Well, you know, this is sort of one of these historic events, especially when it comes to healthcare. You know, we've been so focused on chronic diseases, we almost thought We had infectious diseases, quote-unquote, beat, but uh, little did we know we didn't. So, you know, COVID, it's going to be what I call one of these game-changing or altering events in healthcare for a long while to come. So I think telemedicine is taking off, although I haven't been involved in telemedicine, it's it's really taking off. Um, And I guess the new generation likes these new technologies. but I think the negative part is that the patient-doctor relationship, you know, sort of the healing touch and the one-on-one close interaction is is definitely going to suffer, at least in the short term. Yeah, I have to say, there is something to that. And I've been in, you know, circumstances where a doctor's just like, wait a minute, let's just stop for a minute. What's going on? And they just pick up on something, you know, in an office. And I do wonder whether that gets potentially lost for some circumstances, you know, in, some, in a virtual world. And I, and I do see the benefits of it in terms of the ease and the access, especially for routine things. But I do wonder um, that you still have to have that face-to-face relationship. Well, you know, definitely. And a lot, a lot of the stuff I do, especially chronic back pain, is such a mind-body issue. Yeah. To develop a rapport with a patient online, I think, is much more difficult than when you're in person with them, seeing them eye-to-eye. And there's certain, you know, we're told to pick up clinical pearl, pearls in person. That's what our training has been. And and I think that's where the new generation doctors that are just getting trained might have a slight edge on us, quote-unquote, old-timers, mm-hmm. is that, you know, we're so trained to be in the room, tactile, visual, um, for clinical diagnosis and patient report that I think that new generation might be better at doing that online. And Dr. Vod, when, when you think about whether this focus that hopefully many of us have on our health and overall wellness. We were having a conversation earlier in the show with the CEO of WW International, Mindy Grossman, and she was talking about she sees that in her business that it's not just about weight loss, but but a more holistic approach. Do you see that? First of all, do you see that happening? And, and second of all, do you see it lasting? Well, I think wellness is going to be the next gigantic thing happening in health, if you will. You know, and I don't mean formal healthcare, but I think as technologies improve, as our understanding improves and enhances, the wellness segment is not just here to stay, but the knowledge that we're gaining is going to give people tools to sort of take charge of their own wellness. And, you know, the prime example I give is just nutrition. I mean, 
you know, when I trained in 1990s in medicine, we got 15 hours on nutrition. And today, finally, physicians have woken up saying, hey, we need to pay attention to what people are eating. You know, you are what you eat. And this whole microbiome and what I call prebiotics, which is the type of food that really enhances great gut flora for great health, we're just at the beginning of this. Um, I think it's going to be a huge thing in Healthcare and medicine is the wellness segment, and it's just going to be there to stay for why the did, right reasons. Yeah, and why did that take so I mean, that's fascinating that there was that little training about it. Why did it take so long for, for medicine to come around on that? Well, you know, there are many factors that influence medical education. You know, there are many industrial influences, pharmaceutical influences, and so, you know, you have to, in medical training, be actively thinking about how I don't get boxed in. Yeah. You know, the power of the prescription pad. You know, that means hypertension is not just taking out a prescription pad and writing a pill. It's like, look, here are five things you can do on your own that can get rid of borderline high blood pressure versus giving you a pill. It's so true. You know, I have to say, my sister worked as a registered nurse at Memorial Sloan Kettering and also at MD Anderson, and they were doing research specifically looking at nutrition and how that can help a cancer patient with all, and this was years ago, but it was considered like, why are you doing that? That sounds like kind of out there. But I do feel like we're realizing maybe, you know, um, Dr. Vaughn, as we, we learn more about the body, kind of how it really works and, and understanding, you know, the significance of truly what we put in there. I mean, you know, it's a 5,000-year-old Sanskrit proverb, you are what yeah. you eat. Yeah. And, no, no uh, kidding. Something that you've been working on, I believe, is it's a type of medical food that helps with metabolism and basically minimizes the amount of th that patients have to rely on drugs, especially like an Aleve or, or other sorts of, uh, of medicines that we might normally use for things like arthritis. So uh, tell me how that works and how you came upon it. Well, how I came upon it actually is, you know, life is a personal journey. Actually, my grandmother was prescribed heavy doses of anti-inflammatories after just a routine cataract, you know, this is like 30 years ago. And she actually died from a bleeding ulcer. Oh. And, you know, 40,000 people die a year in our country to this day from reckless anti-inflammatory use. Wow. Yeah, and that's not to mention these anti-inflammatories can cause high blood pressure, increased risk of heart disease, kidney damage, especially in diabetics. So it was sort of my personal mission. Of course, it took me 20-some years after what happened to my grandmother, you know, medical college, inventing things. But I stumbled upon curcumin, you know, which is a turmeric extract, which is very, very hard to absorb. But I was fortunate that I was able to work with a really bright scientific team in Boston who figured out how to get this curcumin into the bloodstream and into the inflamed tissues. Um, and so we did research on it and clinical trials that showed that it held up with naproxen in clinical trials for knee arthritis. But the other big sort of serendipity was that it reduced something called high-sensitive CRP, which is inflammation of the heart vessels, So, um, which was a total surprise and serendipity along the, on the journey of trying to invent things for a better life. Um, 
and it's it's you know the results have been phenomenal and ho- it's my hope that we can get decent number of people of anti-inflammatories but that give them options that will do no first do no harm well so help me with this cuz i've i've certainly tapped into the turmeric and curcumin whether it's teas and different supplements i know some other members of my family have what what's your view on that versus it sounds like the concentration of what you're doing is different. So just help me out here a little bit. Yeah, so, so you know, I mean, so turmeric itself, there's very little curcumin in turmeric. So you would have to eat, first of all, you know, eight to ten teaspo- uh, tablespoons of it, which is not realistic. Mm. Um, and even most of the curcumin today, A, it doesn't absorb well, or B, there is, you know, this whole... Pepper theory, I really haven't bought. You put a little pepper in there and it absorbs. Right. And there are a lot of manufacturing issues with curcumin in general, and some of it is laced with lead, some of it is impure. I mean, there, we just haven't had the depth. The federal government and you know, FDA hasn't had the breadth to control this and to make yeah. sure you're getting what the bottle says it does. So. This, we brought this out as a medical food, so every batch is tested for purity. And it comes from an organic turmeric farm in India and is manufactured in Westchester at an FDA facility. Um, and, you know, the, the difference is that it not only absorbs in the bloodstream, but that it has some very high bioactivity, meaning it gets inside inflamed tissues. And we know that because it reduces this high-sensitive CRP, which can only be reduced by penetrating those inflamed blood vessels in the heart. I do wonder, because Jason and I talk about this a lot, about, you know, the medical community, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is so still entrenched. And I do wonder that, like what you're doing, there's got to be what seem to be maybe equally or more productive ways without the negative impact on the human body. And it just feels like we're on the cusp of, of getting there. How do you see it? Yeah, look, I think our knowledge of food as medicine is enhancing. Our knowledge of non-drug-related therapies is enhancing. And so, look, there's so much confusion when it comes to even pharmaceuticals. A lot of the generics are impure. And when it comes to supplements, it's like the wild, wild west. I mean, there are studies done on supplements that are... Yeah, they're they vary in purity from zero percent to ninety nine percent. Yeah, I have to say that that's an area, Jason. You and I have talked about this yeah. on air. I I do agree with you that it's the wild wild west. There's no oversight of it. Yeah, and yeah. it's a huge industry. It absolutely is. Um, so only about a minute left here, Doctor Vod. Tell us uh, briefly about carboplasty. I'm fascinated by this, especially because I know a lot of people who've had to get their knees replaced uh, after years and years of running. So, you know, I have a lot of technology companies. My wife thinks I've caught lightning in a bottle on this one, so um, which is saying a lot. Um, so basically, we're not even in the joint when we're treating knee arthritis. So carboplasty, to me, goes where the crime is, where the cartilage and the bone meet. Mm. And the, the theory is that the lack of blood supply from the bone to the cartilage gets rid of the, you know, gets the cartilage to start getting sloughed, sloughed off, which is... By definition, arthritis, loss of cartilage. And we basically take stem cells from your body and we deliver them to where the cartilage and the bone meet. It's almost like we're giving fertilizer to the cartilage 
to get it to repair and the pain to go away. And that's Dr. Vijay Vad. He's a sports medicine specialist at the Hospital for Special Surgery. And I got to say, the things that they are working on, he is working on specifically in terms of really understanding the body, whether it's what we eat and what goes into it, or how to use the body itself to make us healthier. I really feel like this is the cutting edge of medicine. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Messer. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg.